Welcome everybody to Dr. Zen and the greatest of all sinners. I'm Ray Gustinelli, your host. This is a podcast where two men of great faith and even greater doubt discuss science, history, sports, and culture. It's the events of the day as seen through the lens of eternity. It's the seven deadly sins meets the eightfold path. Great to have you here on May 2nd, 2018. I'm here with Paul Augustinelli, who we call Dr. Zen. Hey guys, good to see you again. Great to see you, Paul. It's been a little while. And of course, Jeffrey Lawrence Whedon, the greatest of all sinners. Freaking out about the three of us back together after almost six months, maybe longer apart. So super excited. Super excited to be with you as well, Jeff. Always good to hear your thoughts at the outset of the show about things on your mind and under your feet, both sides of your body. So, so I'm listening to our last podcast. It's episode 18. Indeed. And uh, and it was without Paul, sadly without Paul. But we decided to get together, so without Dr. Zen, and just do our best, which is how we started. And so, and it was just a fun way for us to kind of connect. I think we muddled through, passably so. I was mortified at the end of that podcast. Well, I thought well. it was so awful. So I'm listening to it. And the fact of the matter is I made myself laugh. I made myself cry in our podcast. I literally made myself cry, which gives you a little bit of a sense of how much uh, I think of me. Yes. But I, I had a little bit of a tough moment throughout most of the, because, because you were way funnier than me in this podcast. Um, I don't know what I should say. And, no, which I is great. You were, you were. And that's not the way it's supposed to be, Ray. I do apologize. You're supposed to bring the smart. Uh-huh. I'm supposed to bring the funny. Okay. You brought the smart and funny. And I brought blackberry jelly packets. Um, and we're going to finish that up this week. Oh, I'm looking forward um, to hearing your it, guys' answers it, on that one. It hurt. It hurt. Is that, that's like Zeppo being the funniest of the Mark Brothers. I mean, there's something unnatural about that. And I do want to bring attention to the fact that you guys, I don't know if either of you know it, although Ray, you would have to know it. It is so glorious. Do you know that there's a hidden track at the end of episode 18? And it is spectacular and it's glorious. I don't even know how technically it could exist because when you see it, on your audio player or whatever it is, it, it happens at like the negative 30 or minute. <laughs> it's so great. I, I, I want to surprise you guys. That's a little tease. I see. And I want you guys to listen to the end or fast forward or whatever and see what happened at the end of episode 18. Aha. Uh-huh. We shall. Uh, I, we shall. I am check it out with that one. Yeah. You did, yes, and now I'm uh, curious as to uh, what it might be, and our listening audience will never know if it was uh, planted there on purpose or if it was just a mistake in production. (laughs) If it is a mistake, it makes it almost better because it is so perfect. I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. So, Blackberry Jelly Packet. So, Ray and I are talking. And we're wondering what Buddha would think about my behavior. And, and, and uh, Ray was saying, you know, tell about what you think Jesus might think of it, too. Mm-hmm. And so I, I real quickly, I have, no ru- I have no room in my fridge or my heart for giant jars of jelly mm-hmm. in my fridge. Mm-hmm. I don't want them in my fridge. Um, they can last in there for years. It makes me super uncomfortable. I don't like that. Um, I don't use them a lot. They're probably not that all that healthy anyway to have in there. But occasionally I do like a little, just a little dab of blackberry jelly or jam. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the difference is mm-hmm. on a piece of toaster, that sort of thing. So I go to my beloved diner, uh, Greasy Spoon, Sam's number three. I go there. I order a meal. I pay for the meal. But I will oftentimes take a blackberry pack of those little mm-hmm. plastic single-serving packets of blackberry jam. Yeah. And so, Dr. Zen, 
Yeah. What would what would Buddha say about that? Is there any trouble with that? What, tell me. The, 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 first off, the blackberry packet sounds delicious. My my, my mouth is watering. They're glorious already. <laughs> um, and Jeff, you're right to know that the Buddha is constantly thinking about your behavior and what you should and shouldn't do. So yes, <laughs> right. good to be aware of that. Good good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that in the spirit of, you know, nothing extra and um, just honoring uh, the resources at, at that, that, that this great world is giving to us, the fact that you don't want to waste things sitting in your refrigerator, but you're taking advantage of the bounty of this restaurant that's putting this stuff out there. Plus, it's probably lost leaders for them. The manufacturer's going to be thrilled that you took their product <laughs> home and maybe you would buy another, another jar down the line. I think it's a win, 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 win for you to take it home and enjoy it. Well, I love that. I was hoping for that. I'm certain that instead it was going to be a lack of balance in my yes. life and my monkey mind at play yes, and all yes. sorts of other horrible uh, Zen uh, pejoratives that are attached to me. But um, and so and you asked, you know, what would Jesus do? Yeah. And uh, I think Jesus would probably not take the packet, but I'm not sure that he's too wound up about me taking the packet because it does seem like it's probably. Uh, I mean, the question is, is that would it? bust everything up if uh, everybody wound up taking a blackberry mm-hmm. jelly pack? And the answer is probably yes, but uh, <laughs> if there's only one goofball that's doing it, um, it's probably pretty painless and, and there's a lot more in my life. To so fair it. to say, Jesus' assessment through your eyes is that taking the packet is not, in fact, the greatest of all sins. It may be a sin, it is not the greatest of all sins. I would buy that. You yeah, get a pass. Yes. Cool. Okay, so, and then... I wanted to explore just a little bit about because I've been philosophically. What are what 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 are you and I, Ray, without Paul? Are we you know because it's something special. There's something there, and yet it's not. It's it's something different than when the three of us are here. And there's a really fun, wonderful energy. Are we are we a gateway drug <laughs> to the podcast? And and if that's the case, are we like are we like the opioids? And, and Ray is the black tar heroin. I'm sorry, Paul is. Paul is, Paul is the black tar heroin. Okay. Is it too early for those jokes in our society? What do you think about that? What do I think about that? I'm still trying to disentangle the metaphor. So I think in this metaphor, uh, it, it might be like, I don't know, you, you're, the, you're the pot yeah. Um, I'm the match. Right. Together we put them together. We're, we're, we're you know getting people high. This is now a gateway drug for individuals who are gonna head their way into the more potent addition of right. Doctor. Right. I mean, yeah, Doctor Zen being the black tar heroin right. being, being put in the pipe there. Holy cow! That's way too heavy for okay. me to well, sort of okay. accept think any it. sort of responsibility. Kind of marinate in that for a little bit. Yeah. Any thoughts, Doctor Zen? What are you guys smoking? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 finally, a quick little note because we're here in Boulder, and so it, this is only apt to to describe this here. But you enviro fascists, you Gaia loving <laughs> eco Nazis, and you do say that lovingly. Now you're coming <laughs> for my straw. <laughs> You're coming for my... Your this, plastic straws? My plastic straws. Is, yeah. is that it? Have I had my last Arnold Palmer with a drinking straw? This I, is seriously? quit sucking. The quit sucking movement, oh right? Because they're filling up the oceans with all the plastic. They're getting in the nets. They're getting yeah. in the coral. They're all that. I, I, I think that it's a great... It's a lovely movement. It's put it into my mind. We didn't talk about this in advance, but I saw a bit of that. Yeah. And I s- stopped using straws. It hit me right... 
right here. Okay, so I should do that. Stop using so. straws. Stop it. Okay, I like it. I'll do that for you too, only because I love you too. And uh, that's it. That's all I got. Well, in defense of Boulder, which uh, probably doesn't need it, it's probably, you know, on the lines of the think globally, act locally. So they're just trying to say, hey, let's not do this thing. You know, it may not be, make a big difference in this crazy 10 square miles, but... It may make a difference yeah, if overall. If everybody did it, it would. It's if kind everybody of like the, took uh, a packet of... The pa- exactly. It's kind of like the uh, the packet thing. Then. You'd be pulling them out of the noses of a sea turtle. Have you guys seen that one? <laughs> no, I haven't. That sounds tragic. I didn't even see that one. You haven't? It's, no, it's, oh, my God. It's one of the, the... I think one of the real starts to this kind of a movement and this and that is these people trying to take a pair of pliers and pull a, something that looks like a straw out of a sea turtle's nose, mm. and it's extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. And when they do it eventually... It feels very good, and you never want to use another straw in your life. Yeah. Oh, my. I'm glad I was able to drop that in <laughs> So, anyway, you got that, too. Fantastic. Well, hey, let's move on to some of our topics of the day. The first one is going to be addressed an issue we've hit in the past, which is uh, which is something of a running theme on the podcast here, which is sort of the intersection of cybernetics and robotics and humanity and sure. the implications of unconsciousness. And since Westworld Season 2 just started a few weeks ago, I thought it would be a Perfect opportunity to get your guys' thoughts on uh, recollections of the first season. And I don't know if you've had a chance to dip your toe into the waters of the second. I have a little bit. See what you were looking forward to, what your thoughts are. Has the first season aged well, poorly, etc.? Um, why don't we bump it over to the greatest of all sinners? For- okay, so um, I have only just barely begun uh, season two. Um, but had a lot of time to think about season one, mm-hmm. which started out, I was so excited. You know that I've been just freaking out about it and really very displeased with the way that it's going. Um, and, you know, I love I love to hate Westworld. It's just fascinating. Um, I think that it was profoundly stupid to kill off... Well, wait a minute. We shouldn't talk about that. That'd be a spoiler. Uh, but they make, I think, a real uh, mistake at the end by killing off one of my very favorite characters. Well, we can spoil season one, can't we? I think we probably yeah. can, as long as we say spoiler Just alert. Let's Good. say jump ahead yeah. five so, to Ant- seven killing minutes. Killing off Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. thing I've ever heard in my life. Blood in the back of the head. Okay, so Westworld is an orgy of misanthropy. <laughs> it's a laboratory <laughs> experiment on beautiful, human hating. It continues in the vein of humans hating as bad guys like Avatar and Planet of the Apes, particularly the most recent incarnations. But Westworld is perhaps the ultimate allegory of man is God or there is no God and we are God or whatever. It's pretending. Okay, so I think the second season looks like to me that it's pretending um, to be particularly to be careful, like a careful examination of like reality. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we, ha- we hear a lot of that talk. And I think it's kind of an assault on reality. An experiment, an invention, a Lewis Carolian, would that be a word? Maybe a George Orwellian take, uh, down is up, up is down, mm-hmm. on a futuristic or maybe not so futuristic um, AI-infused topsy-turvy world. And I find it super upsetting. Mm. Now, is it, is, it, is it executed well? I do. But, you know, I think that it's a little bit cheap in those ways, and I find it particularly difficult. As I grow older, I have more and more difficult time with storylines that are that are that challenging, mm-hmm. and this one certainly is. 
<laughs> well said, sir. Well, well said, Jeff. And I'm, I'm going to ping your pong, and I'm, I love that you <laughs> love set it. yourself that. up that way. I I think the series does age well. I was a big fan of the first Westworld oh way back. I read so the good. book back in the 70s. I loved the movie with Yul Brynner when it, when it came out. And that's high cheese. We got to give that <laughs> real high cheese components. Now we got this, what I consider to be really high quality science fiction. I think it does age well. It's thoughtful. It's entertaining. It's suspenseful. It's twisty. It has great characters. It has great character arcs. We got great actresses. Mostly with also great actors, Thandie Newton and Rachel Wood are doing great in there. And they are making a great, interesting entertainment on science fiction themes. And it's compelling to you. You say you love to hate it. And the fact that you are so engaged with the themes, you're so engaged with the storylines, I think makes the point that it's doing everything that it needs to do. When we start to decipher, oh, well, what does it mean about consciousness? They don't know. They're just speculating about this. But they're doing it in a really interesting, dramatic way that keeps us engaged and keeps us thoughtful. What I find interesting is how critical people are about this, including yourself. You're coming in, and uh, there's a review by this guy, Troy Patterson, in The New Yorker. The title of his review is How Westworld Denies Our Humanity One Pitiless Puzzle at a Time. Preach it. Exactly. (laughs) Very similar to what you're saying. It's humanity denying, and it's all about the gamesmanship of the tricks. And... I don't believe that it is appealing only to what he called the torturing gamesmanship of the series. You know, yeah, there's a lot of fanboys out there who maybe get off on that level of figuring out what's going on in the same way. In fact, I'd say even more so in the case of of brother uh, Christopher Nolan's Mm. Memento, where that's more of a puzzle box and with less of a heart. This thing does have more of a heart with more concern over the characters In, in, in my estimation. But to, to, to read everything into the so-called humanity-denying aspects of this, I think is to fall right into their trap to get you engaged, what? right into their honeypot, to get you engaged in these questions and let you ask, well, what is it in the nature of humanity that, that merits us succeeding as a race or perpetuating ourselves as a race? I think it's doing a great job, and it's... It's it's uh, quality quality right where stuff. they wanted me. Well, I must say, uh, Paul, consider me as well as somebody who has fallen into the honey pod. But like Jeff, finds myself sort of drowning on the cloying sweetness just a little bit much. Cloying sweetness. Honey is, can be cloyingly sweet. Oh, okay. See what he's doing there. Try, yeah. So I uh, I have mixed opinions about it in, in both ways. It, about the older series and how the new one has started. Um, and I've got to say, the I've watched a couple of episodes to date, and they are extremely ponderous in their um, exploration of some of these themes, which are woven into the point of, you know, forgetting that they should be entertaining us. And it is, mm-hmm. and I, I think I am... 
uh, reacting to it, interestingly, in much the same way we walked out of uh, Brother Christopher Nolan's Interstellar movie after watching it together yes. a couple of years ago. <laughs> um, I think Memento was really great. A nice little puzzle box, jewel box. Interstellar, I thought, was overbloated. And when he failed in that sense, because the, the themes were overdone, overbloated, and and the, the vehicle of an ent- what was meant to be an entertaining vehicle exploded under the weight of this ponderousness of theme. So uh, that was for me. And I, we had a legitimate argument where you just didn't feel that was the case, I think. With Interstellar. Yes, we, with Interstellar. We with Interstellar. I feel that Westworld is at risk of going in that direction. I don't think they're necessarily there yet, but I want to send up these warning flags that I find the, the dialogue and the, 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 the rapidity with which we're moving through some of these, these uh, storylines to be extremely didactic and positive. To the point where we're circling around this sort of cynicism, skepticism slash cynicism about humanity and consciousness to no particular end. So, I don't know. That's we're going to have to come back and revisit I think this. we are going to have I'll ask you guys, the, the second episode I think just aired on Sunday, right? right? right. How, how Did you watch it live? How soon after it aired did you watch it? I watched it last yeah, night, yeah. actually. Okay, uh, so a couple, of, you're, you're yeah. into it. Yeah. You're into it. Yeah. All right. Okay, I just want to say. You know, I just, I just want to say to both you guys, if you don't like this theme park, go home, go to your own theme park. <laughs> fair enough. I'm looking. You're right. That is fair enough. Actually, that's perfectly fair. All right, guys. Well, from one um, cultural artifact to another, this one touches on uh, both of us in different ways. Jesus Christ Superstar was staged as a a live musical presentation, one of NBC's sort of live performance pieces uh, a couple of weeks back. Um, Jeff, you had, as a Christian, interesting that you never really had been that exposed to the musical. Um, Paul and I, as currently non-Christians, actually were pretty deep in it uh, as uh, college kids growing up. uh, Actually, to the point we wrote a spoof musical along the lines of the the same soundtrack. But uh, I I know we all saw the most recent one. Would love to get um, your guys' thoughts on what you saw, what you felt about it, Jeff. So first of all, I I was uh, I I really am kind of crazy in in a good way, in a non crazy good way. We we will unpack that later. But I'm I'm happy about the live theater on TV thing. I I, I know it's super gimmicky and people are critical of it, but I, I just find it. A good, a, just a positive good. I love it, and I had not, you know, as a at growing up in a conservative world, I had never been exposed much to Jesus Christ Superstar. We were we were told that you know it's there's there's just enough blasphemy in that sandwich that you know you shouldn't <laughs> start eating it, and uh, and so. I, but on the other hand, I had heard a little bit. Uh, there's a, a ton of cultural references that this is a this is old. Comparatively, you know, as as far as uh, popular things are, and yet it has a real staying power. Partially because the story, as I think, is incredibly compelling, and the music and the writing is very good. And um, and what I didn't realize, though, is what it would be as a vehicle um, live. And I thought Sarah Boreas was stunning. I thought she was amazing. I thought she was lovely in her voice and in her presence and I loved seeing uh, what she did. Um, it was great, great energy, super fun. Um, I wept during just openly during parts of it. I was trying to show a piece of it to my kids 
today, and I I could not. I I was weeping so hard mm, at that wow. at, at Sarah Powerful. and and the, the notion of it. You know, it's just such. Yeah. And and this is where I get into my own personal blasphemy. Um, we'll get into that in just a second. That should be a song in mean, that musical. It isn't, but my personal blasphemy sounds like we a might, We might want to redo it, punch it up yeah. a little bit, and do some other things. You guys have rewritten the thing once before. Um, I don't know why we wouldn't add to it now. I, I thought Alice Cooper stole the show. I thought he was super fun. Yeah. It was so cheesy and campy. It was spectacular. I, I, I would hope, I would love to think that Jesus would love it. You know, it was, I felt like he's, he's the hero. Yeah. Um, and, and, uh, and he, I, I'm not sure the theology is, is, is spot on <laughs> and I'm not sure it has to be. Close um, enough for government work. Yeah. I mean, and I guess it's only because of my own lens and that is, is that I've never been afraid of a human Jesus, a air quotes, human Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, the one that pees and poops and has crushes on girls and yet was in some very real way, meaningful way, divine. Right and and uh, and his biblical slash Broadway performance at his death, um, whether you're looking at the Bible or whether you're looking at Jesus Christ Superstar, where he asks the cup to be taken from him. You know, don't I don't I don't want to do this. And and um, why God? Why have you forsaken me? These are some of the most important moments I, in my opinion, in all of literature, and it's done really well in the play. And um, and this uh, this spectacularly human Jesus, which I think leaves room for the divine, certainly at the end, uh, for sure, in, in one that I can relate to and recognize as divine. And, and just to go back to Sarah and that song, and, and you know the idea that there's this very broken, troubled girl in so many ways, and, and Jesus is all that. But she's also to him just a boy that she's crazy about and loves, and 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 her and she's a prostitute and her life's a mess and and how could she ever make it work? It it's one of the most heartbreaking quote Broadway moments I've ever watched. Fantastic! Wow, El- eloquent and touching, yeah. Jeff. <laughs> fa- fantastic, and maybe this is the Paul's fanboy show, but I love <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar too. I loved it back then. I love it now. I thought that production is fantastic. The 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 the, uh, the play, the music, it's invigorating. It's funny. It's inspiring. And like you, what I like most is how human Jesus is. And what hit me even more in this one, maybe more than ever, is not only is he, is he human, but he's in such a foul mood through the entire production. And I don't know if you get this when you read it in the in the New Testament, but he's pissed at the money grabbers in the temple. He's overwhelmed by the sick and needy. He thinks his followers are fools and deadbeats, and they are, at least in this production. The Roman and Jewish authorities are a waste of his time. He doesn't even say a word to them, even to stop the whipping. He's sort of like, come Come on, you people. And at the end, he's even mad at God, for God's sakes. This is the epic bad day, right? And you can see at the end, he wants out. He just wants out of the whole show. You have to respect that. And I I reflect back on myself when we we all, as humans, we have a bad day, and we all have bad days like this, right? We've got that, right? Right? We have bad days like this. We can follow the lead of Jesus, just surrender, and say, Kill me now. 
There's some deep wisdom in that. I love it. I'm not sure that was even the message in the play, but that's okay. I think if we understand it metaphorically in that sense of surrender at yes. the end, yes. I think there is wisdom yes. there. Let's yes. Say, is it okay to take it that way, Dr. Zan? That's how I'm taking it. All right. That's great. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I'm with both of you guys. I thought the production was, was really well done, very true to the spirit of it. Um, and, and like you, to some extent, Paul, I, I found that what comes out on, on reading and watching now years after having done so originally as 20-somethings as um, is the extent to which Jesus is sort of the only good guy in a sense. Everybody, everybody's kind of a bad guy in certain ways, and we're meant to identify uh, with Jesus, and we do empathetically, but also to, to, to Judas, to the extent he's kind of the protagonist of it, we sort of uh, identify with him as a tragic figure as well. So, yeah, really well done. Love, love the new production. And one little fun little gem, what did you guys think about it? Because I thought it was glorious, even though it kind of broke the fourth wall a little bit, is um, they cut to commercial and had a split screen. Do you remember seeing that? They cut to commercial, and so you had in one screen was this stupid commercial, and then they had a little box <laughs> where they were following Sarah back, or John Legend, or these people. And uh, it wasn't every time, but they did it a few times, and I thought it was inspired. I thought it was so compelling. I could not leave to go to the bathroom, mm -hmm. to do anything, because I loved what was going on. And uh then they kept me going on by showing what was going on behind the scenes. We were, we were watching that. on DV, DVR and we fast forwarded through the commercial, <laughs> right. so it yeah, did not work yeah, on us. Right. Well, if you want to go back and take a glance, I'd love to know what you thought because I thought it was super clever. Yeah. Fantastic. Hey, uh, sticking um, or coming back to kind of a sciencey theme, um, I've been uh, getting into it and keeping up a little bit with sort of what's going on in the new space race. And in some ways, the new space race isn't between the U.S. and Russia. It's between uh, Elon Musk and his SpaceX and Jeff Bezos and his Blue Horizon. And I'm curious what you guys think out of these guys or, you know, some third party like the U.S. government, if they get their act together, or possibly the Chinese government, <laughs> if they keep uh, making strides, is more likely to be looked back on many years from now as the ones uh, if anyone, to kind of take us into the next era of uh, space colonization. What do you think, Paul? Great question, of course. Uh, I have three quick answers. Has Ray ever asked a non-great question? So brilliant. Yeah. So brilliant. Yeah. Uh, is, 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 is that damning with effusive praise? <laughs> I, I think that there's a word for that. No, you put, you put work into your questions. They're very thought-provoking. And I hope that thought has re resulted from your question, at least here. Three quick answers to your question. Elon Musk will be most recognized because the next generation of robot overlords will recognize his instrumental, if unwitting, contribution to their ascendancy. <laughs> Jeff Bezos will be most recognized because none of the other ventures will get over 100 million unanimous five-star ratings on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, the Chinese government will be most highly recognized because the party of the people speaks in one voice and 1.4 billion is larger than all other numbers. <laughs> Absolutely. Three good reasons why. I'm actually hoping it's Musk, but you know, I think the one thing that's kind of fascinating about the space race is first matters, but then there's also longevity and, and, and the ultimate goals and ultimate uh, achievements that are going to be measured. And, and I think that the father of all this, it's like, you know, is Musk kind of the Goddard to all of this or is he Goddard and other things? Because he's definitely the one who's in a backyard lighting rockets that no one else kind of does at that time. And, um, and I think it's very special what he's doing on a lot of different levels. 
Um, and I also love how it's almost, I wonder if it's almost a little bit of a kind of a libertarian sort of an allegory where this used to be the sort of thing whenever you were debating about uh, state-sponsored solutions to things and more laissez-faire uh, fr uh, free market sorts of solutions to things. They would, people would always say like lighthouses and the space race. You know, you you couldn't you couldn't ever possibly do that. Individuals, corporations, they could never do that. You would have to have a monolithic state to do this sort of thing. And there's a ton of recent writing about the, you know that we wouldn't have DARPA and we wouldn't have the internet. We wouldn't have all this sort of thing without the state sponsored. And and I'm always so weary and leery of all of that. Mm. And and I think that Elon Musk came and, and did some things on a human level that may be some of the largest achievements in all of human endeavor, mm -hmm. I, I, where one person tries to do something so big and so different and then actually pulls it off. Mm -hmm. Because like it's like da, da Vinci is so fun to study in this net, but almost nothing Da Vinci did worked. None of it. You know what I mean? Except his beautiful painting and his drawings and that sort of thing. But for all of his ideas and everything, you know, you couldn't put that flappy thing on. And you, you if you went off a cliff, you would just die. It looked mm -hmm. really cool, but mm -hmm. it doesn't work. The tank didn't work. None mm -hmm. of it worked. Man, Elon Musk, almost everything that he's doing is working on some very special level. So mm -hmm. I'm hoping it's Musk. But with all of the other money coming in and people kind of being able to be a quick second mover in mm -hmm. these spaces, they might be able to snatch that mantle. Snatch that mantle. Fantastic. Hmm. I'm going to give my quick two cents, which is um, a similar to you, Paul, which is not really giving an answer, sort of a non-answer, <laughs> but it's, it's a way to I look at... I three answers. You gave three. Well, no. So, yeah. So to give that its due. And so after you, you effusively phrased my question there, I, I sort of slightly did, which I didn't mean to do, so I do about it. But I would say... <laughs> that <laughs> no the spirit what I meant was to actually give a couple of different answers or reasons why both Musk and Bezos may be seen equally but in different ways as the ones who um, have sort of taken us to the next level and, and I sort of think of uh, Musk and SpaceX, his focus is a little bit more on cargo porting and freight and getting stuff up there and manning the station and stuff like that. Whereas I think G Bezos's um, focus, uh, sort of, I, I think his passion, if not his, his pure focus, actually goes along the lines of getting people into space and it being sort of a sort of a tourist, uh, you know, a mechanism for people to take trips. And, and I think that's a, more along the um, Richard Branson model when he was, mm -hmm. and he still is, the Virgin Galactic kind of thing. Right. And so I think one way I look at it um, is that uh, Musk is maybe more likely to be seen as sort of the Bill Gates uh, progenitor of the new technology who works with business applications and infrastructure tools like window and office productivity applications. And then it takes... Uh, Bezos may may then trump him um, in memory and in achievement in a lot of ways by being the one who brings the user interface. He brings it down and creates a product, or in this case a service, that people actually love and taps into the passion that people have about the space, mm -hmm. about space. And that's the thing that, that makes, in some senses, the bigger difference. It's what inspires people most about the space race mm -hmm. is that wonder, you know, that Kennedy sort of helped to inspire in some ways or catalyze anyway, and that carried us through the great mm -hmm. advancements of the 60s. So mm -hmm. it's looking ahead towards looking back. That might be a way that these guys' achievements is 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 is, for, is seen. And just to raise the flag of Musk a little bit too is that I would you know Musk is um, so the the cargo delivery is just it's it's the gateway drug to mm -hmm. Mars. There you go for yes. Musk, right? Yes. Because and I think yep. Musk would freak out and say Bezos didn't want to go anywhere first. I right. 
right. I wanted to take us all to Mars. Right. But you're right in that 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 vision is lost a little bit because I I think sometimes because Musk is so I would hope he would never respond to the criticism because I don't think he really gives a crap. I really mm -hmm. don't. Right. And I think he he just makes his own world. He invents it. And I wish he would do the same thing about Mars mm -hmm. because I think that he's backed off so much on that. But what he you're should. saying is that you know he could be Kennedy and he mm -hmm. could say that that's what this crap is. I'm mm -hmm. not. I, I could give a crap about satellites. Mm -hmm. I want to put us people on Mars, mm -hmm. and that would be very powerful. So okay. it'd be it'd be interesting to see who wins. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, we're mm -hmm. around for it. Hey, let me get your guys. Um, um, predictions. Um, we like to give our. Uh, we like to give Jeff and I a chance to be humbled by uh, Doctor Zen's <laughs> prognosticating abilities when it comes to sports. Where you're like five and zero, oh, and we're like oh, and and one five. embarrassment after the next. Um, so uh, NBA playoffs and NHL going on. And uh, why don't we start with you, Paul? Since uh, you tend to do a lot better than us, and you can lay down the marker here. I, I guess I'm just going to go with a flyer on the Philadelphia 76ers Whoa. that some Whoa. people think Whoa. are a few years too soon, okay. but the process is what people are talking about. And we're coming off a Philadelphia win in the Super Bowl and in the NCAA's with Villanova. That's right. And there maybe is some magic in the water there these days. Wow. I think it's a little premature for that. Yeah. Um, I, I love it. I think that would be really fun. It'd be a real shot of adrenaline, I think, into the NBA. It would throw things into some really fun turmoil. I think that uh, Golden State is going to win it. Um, and uh, I'm not, I don't even hate Golden State uh, at this point in time, which you think we should. I mean, it's this yeah, collection right. of all the giants, yeah. and there's no underdog to them at all. And yet they also, um, uh, besides Draymond Green, are really, you know, charming and interesting. And, fun <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think Steve uh, Curry is still a, a, an enormously um, likable character and that sort of thing. So that's my uh, pick there. And then, uh, can I do hockey now or where we yes, do it? No, no, and so I am so crazy about the Golden Knights. It's so fun to watch that mm -hmm. you know and I think the Predators are probably a better team and I think that maybe even the, the, uh, the Pittsburgh's a, a better team but I'm always voting with my heart so I'm going to be uh, going for that underdog besides the fact that it is so fun I don't know if you have seen it but you guys they have a pregame ritual that is very Vegas that is super <laughs> fun on yeah, yeah, yeah. there's everybody there in Elvis costumes it's fun <laughs> right yeah did you do a I didn't I'm gonna go with the Golden Knights as well oh, just right. the fact of how many people must have put yeah. money on and what the odds were of them winning the Stanley Cup their right. expansion years uh, you know is insane so I got, gotta go for that break the bank in Vegas baby right <laughs> I like the Knights I, for Weathering is expansion team I think it's wonderful it's a great storyline and it's unprecedented obviously but I'm gonna actually put my uh, money probably foolishly on the Capitals this year. I think they're going to get by you know, their bet noir, um, which is the Penguins, um, because I think the Penguins are a little bit more beat up this year, missing uh, Malkin and some other guys. And uh, coming off two-time uh, champions, I think uh, Penguins are just going to maybe run out of steam a little bit and maybe motivation. So I think the Caps with the home uh, ice uh, may get them past pitchers, which I think will catapult them uh, further into the playoffs. They've, they've they've always deserved to go further based on their talent. This might be the year they do it. Golden, I'm going to go with Golden State too, and uh, actually for their, I mean, with Curry not even yet playing, and they're still doing everything they need to do. It's hard. Oh it's gosh. hard to see when Curry comes back that they're anybody's going to take him down. Honestly, so I think the smart money is there. I try to make my money smart. 
All right, so I'll I'll I'll, I'll take your guys' bets. Okay, <laughs> we'll take your bets, and we might as well just pay you now. <laughs> in, in defense yeah. of the pitifulness of Ray and Jeff picking, yes. yes, we actually uh, hit the hit it on the head with Villanova, so that's nice. We did, and yes. I actually, uh, yeah, for those uh, listeners who know that I run a uh, pool, um, fifty brackets mm-hmm. or so, uh, I actually won it this year by picking Villanova nice. for the first time in nice. running the pool in ten years. So it's about time. Yeah, and I think this is going to be your guys' years for comeback, or maybe your. Your guys, your year to come back, Ray. Yeah. I, I had the big three to one comeback in the previous series, but that was last year. <laughs> I, I no, no proof. I know what I'm talking New about. New year. No, who knows what's going to happen in 2018? Hopefully, more podcasts will. You got some final thoughts? Uh, yes, yeah? sir. Yeah. First up, uh, let's go to um, Ask Dr. Zen. Um, uh, Ask Dr. Zen. Danielle from Barbasol Island, Massachusetts asks Am I the victim of persistent and ongoing? Oh, I'm sorry. She says it. Her question is this. She's the victim of persistent and ongoing shoelace creep. I had never heard of that before. Uh-huh. Um, and so one lace side is always winding up getting longer and longer. Is this indicia of a lack of balance in her life? <laughs> it's it, it's a really troubling situation. I understand. And I understand you're, you're, Buddha you're cares. Distressed. Buddha does care. Every day, every moment. Um, I, I think I think the the, uh, the 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 lace wants to grow. I think you need to just allow the situation to express mm. itself unimpeded mm. and learn to live with the imbalance instead of manipulating it wow. to, to satisfy your kind of aesthetic standards. Okay. Uh, I was not going to go that direction. Uh, thank you, Dr. Zen. It's always very illuminating when you do this. Uh, last... Um, a new game that I'd like to uh, hit you guys with. And, uh, Ray, you can play if you want. Uh, this is for Dr. Zen. I'm ambushing you here a little bit. It's not fair, but I- I'm not fair, and-, and life's not fair. So um, I would like to begin with my occasional new feature, uh, Mirthful or Merton? <laughs> Merton? Yes. Oh, yeah. Thomas okay, Merton. Thomas Merton. I see. Right. So <laughs> it's Mirthful or Merton. Okay. So you've got three choices. Okay. And you have to pick the Mirthful ones, and then there's going to be one Merton every time to kind of help you, because there's going to be three. So you have to pick the one Merton. You ready? you got to pick Merton out of the Mirthful. Out, out of the three potentially Mirthful. Here's your choice. Yes. Happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. Then the next one is... Happiness is not a matter of intensity, but of balance, order, rhythm, and harmony. And the last is happiness is a warm gun. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to say the third one, as the Merton, as being a longtime resident of Kentucky, he might have been (laughs) there, right there. But I'm going to go with number one as the Merton. And so, you know, I might have to twist the game because it was, it was really, that's Gandhi that did that. Um, but uh, <laughs> Gandhi so, wasn't a choice, was it? No. No. He slipped a Gandhi in as Ian. a non-Merton. I see. Which is, yeah. I thought, funny, which yeah. is mirthful. The, the, but but I mirthful. actually see it as, as really being unfair uh, in this first <laughs> incant. So I will maybe readjust it. Yeah. But um, so it was, uh, Merton is happiness is not a matter of intensity, but a balance, order, rhythm, and harmony. Okay. All right. Which is great. Lovely. Okay. And, and one last little tease I want to throw for you guys is that I just finished uh, Wild Wild Country. Oh, wow. Yes. And I don't know if you guys have seen it or not. Can we talk about it next time? Because we I will. We will talk about it next time. I'm two episodes in, fascinated with it. Oh, my Looking gosh. forward to seeing how things pan out. So good. Consider this a big time teaser. I saw it. Yeah. Had a lot of thoughts. And uh, I'm looking forward to discussing that with you guys, hopefully in a week or two. It's a wrap for today. Thank you guys so much. Hey, love you guys. Thanks. Love you guys. Love you guys.
See you all in podcast land very shortly. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.